Countdown for blastoff. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to episode 23 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. This time, we'll present the first audition recording of Radio's finest Western series. It's Gunsmoke, but this is an early version of what would later evolve into the famous series we all know and love. Until Gunsmoke came to the air in April of 1952, there wasn't much in the way of adult westerns on radio. Most of the well-known westerns, including The Lone Ranger and Tom Mix, that had been on the air for years, were for kids. This all changed in 1949 when CBS President William S. Paley, impressed with the network's premier detective series, The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, instructed the network's program department to create the equivalent in a Western series. A couple of years prior, there had been a short-lived series on CBS, Hawk Larrabee, that starred Barton Yarborough and later Elliot Lewis. But it was only on the air for a year, and with no sponsor willing to foot the bills, CBS canceled it. Which brings us back to 1949, and the CBS program department is charged with coming up with an adult Western series. The team was headed by Harry Ackerman, who was credited with coining the name Gunsmoke for the proposed series. Ackerman was the CBS Western Division program director, having joined the network in January of 1948. Prior to that move, he had been an executive at ad agency Young and Rubicam for nearly 10 years. Having successfully produced such shows as Screen Guild Theater and Kate Smith. The team of Morton Fine and David Friedkin was enlisted to write an audition script for the series. Their previous achievements as a duo included Front Page and Johnny Fletcher. Of course, they would soon hit their stride with Broadway's My Beat, Bold Venture, and Crime Classics. The focus of the new series, Gunsmoke, would be United States Marshal Mark Dillon. That's right, you heard me correctly, I said Mark Dillon. Who was charged with keeping law and order in the disorder of Dodge City, Kansas during the 1870s. And cast as Marshal Dillon was Michael Rye. Born John Michael Reardon Billsbury in Chicago, he was an announcer for several programs in Chicago, including Vic and Sade and Mystery House. And using a higher-pitched voice, he starred as Jack Armstrong, the all-American boy from 1944 to 1946. He was also the lead Dr. John Rutledge on The Guiding Light and was Mr. First Nighter, the MC of the First Nighter show for several years. When he moved to Los Angeles in 1947, he changed his name to Michael Rye, though he was still being credited in shows such as The Whistler and your movie town radio theater as Rye Billsbury. He did many voiceovers for television with several animated series, including the voice of the Lone Ranger in the mid-1960s. His resonant voice was probably the reason he was chosen for the Gunsmoke audition. Okay, it's time for the first audition of Gunsmoke, starring Michael Rye as United States Marshal Mark Dillon, as recorded June 11, 1949, 
in the KNX studios at Columbia Square in Hollywood. story of the violence that moved westward with young America. The story of one man who moved with it, Mark Dillon, United States Marshal. Oh, a man there lives on the western plains with a tongue of fight and an ounce of brains who herds the cows as he robs the trains goes by the name of Cowboy. He was part of it. A singing saddle bum, a cowboy, a drifter. They all drifted here to Dodge City one time or another. It's the end of the track and the start of the wilderness. A dumping ground of odds and ends, beginnings, leftovers. It's a place to stop and take the kind of pleasure you need. It's a place to pass through. Sometimes it's a place to die. My part of it was a sun-charred shack rent paid by the United States government and a marshal's badge furnished free. I was at the window watching the heat plump itself with Kansas dust and roll in towards the town when the door opened. Your name, Dylan? You the United States Marshal? She was about 50. Hat, poke bonnet, dress, gingham, shoes, beaded Indian moccasins. I heard about you in Gouji. They said there was a steady marshal here. Been living for six months running. Well, they've been lying to you. Four months. They say you can break a man's heart at 50 yards. They say you and your gun's already done that. What's on your mind? I want you to saddle up and get down to Gaujai. Why? My husband. My husband owns the white buffalo. Roulette, music, drinks. They say the roulette wheel's crooked. Look, ma'am. Half the roulette wheels in the West are probably crooked. Maybe. But in Galjai, they kill a man for running a crooked wheel. Well, look, ma'am, I don't... Abigail Contrarius, that's my name. Yeah. Well, Mrs. Contrarius, you don't need a marshal. You need an honest husband. That wheel's no more crooked than you are. Eastwise, from all I hear about you. If it was, I wouldn't take none of the money's won from it. Oh, sure. Don't sure me, marshal. The money don't just mean money to me. It means books for Indian kids and writing stuff, slates and all. Oh, missionary. Huh, me... With a gambler and a philanderer and a toper for a husband. I teach Indian kids, that's all. Teach them to behave and a little learning, that's all. That's good work, ma'am. These towns could use more people like you. Never mind that. If I don't get help, those kids will go back to their wild ways and I'll have a dead husband. You coming? Or do I have to ride that mule some more? Ride it back to Gaujai. I'll be alone. Make it soon, Marshal. There'll be a convulsion down there if you don't. It was night when the town of Gaujai came out of the wilderness and beckoned to me like a painted skinny hag. If Dodge City had a tougher sister, this was it. I rode up to the white buffalo and started to tie my horse to a hitching post whittled to the shape of a Pawnee girl when... Suddenly, the gun in my back told me I wasn't alone. You won't like it here, Marshal. Pretty as it is, you won't like it. No? No, and... Uh... Don't turn around, Marshal. I'm shy and I'm modest and I embarrass easy. Isn't that so, Harold? <laughs> you see, Harold thinks it's so. Harold had his tongue clipped. 
Apaches. Maybe it was too long. Oh, now that's not a genteel thing to say to Harold Marshall. He takes offense. I'm new here. Back in Dodge City, the etiquette's a little more formal. Then go back to Dodge. We're very happy here in Gaujai, like little birds. You could spoil it. I was invited. Special invitation. Well, the party's over. Now, Harold. Now! Something lashed out across my skull. A bead of glass splintered my brain. From far, far away, I heard some words. Like I said, Marshal, you won't like it in Gaujai. I wanted to kill him, but I couldn't. I didn't know who he was. I hadn't seen his face. But I knew I'd never forget that voice and that crazy giggle. When I opened my eyes, I was in Gaujai's dirt. I picked myself up and waited till the town stopped its dizzy dance. On its third time round, I spotted a horse trough. I stuck my head in it to get rid of the blood on my face. I finally pushed my bones to the swinging doors of the white buffalo. It was the usual kind of place, like Mrs. Contrarius said. Roulette, music, drinks. I got halfway across the floor toward the bar, then I saw her and heard her. Slender. Hair molded black, and something profane and exquisite distilled into her features. She looked at me, and when she spoke, it was as if she hadn't quit singing. Buenas noches, chico. Oh, a marshal. A marshal with a new scar and a muddy badge. <laughs> you buy a drink, huh, chico? Here's a buck. Buy yourself an egg. Where can I find the owner? Over there by the poker table. The goatee and pompadour. Thanks. Hasta la vista, Marshal. Yeah, I'll be seeing you. <laughs> Your name, Contuarius? See. Si. Oh, the Marshal from Dodge City. Oh, you have the look of a large headache, senor. Yeah, someone else besides you and your wife was expecting me. Oh, muy mal, bad. Yeah, it wasn't good. So I see. But I'm glad you have come, senor Marshal. Look around. You see my place? The white buffalo, sole proprietor and owner, me, Rafael Ramon Jose Contuarias. Magnificent establishment, no? Mm-hmm. Looks like your magnificent establishment takes plenty. For weeks now, I am losing money on the roulette wheel. Still, people say it is crooked. Oh? Someone is swindling me, senor. This someone I swear I will kill, dead, unless you find him for me first. That is why my wife comes to you, asks you to come to Gauja. She had a little difference. She's afraid this someone might kill you first. Como? Oh, see, that might happen. But not so long as he can swindle me. Why kill the chicken with the golden egg, senor? Mm -hmm. Well, let's have a look at this wheel of yours. Uh, see, si. follow me. Well, Red, number Who's 12. your spinner? Greg Hagen, base croupier in the territory. Uh-huh. Suppose you let me look around myself. As you wish, senor. You find that someone who is swindling my wheels, see? I'll give it a try, Mr. Contuarius. Bueno. Contuarius left me alone. I watched the table for a while. Nothing happened. Wheel didn't look crooked. And if it was being swindled, it was done clever. Finally, I moved around near the croupier. Hagen. Yeah? See you a minute. What for? Oh, the marshal. Yeah. 
Bill, take over for a minute. Yeah, sure. Okay, Marshal. What can I do for you? This joint legitimate? Why ask me? Quantuarius. I know, sole proprietor and owner. Rumor has it the wheel's rigged, is it? Suppose it is. Well, then, I could win. You could win, too. Maybe 25% of what I win, and Contuarius wouldn't know. Keep talking. We both got to live 50%. Now get this. Contuarius is my friend. Sorry I made a mistake. No hard feelings? Plenty hard feelings. I think I like it better back at the table. Look around yourself. Make up your own mind about the wheel. So I did. Mostly I hung around the roulette table. As far as I could see, the wheel was given the house and the customers an even break. Just about the time I started to walk away, two new players came up to the crowded table. One pasty face, handsome, in a weak chin sort of way. The other, a big silent hulk of a man with a drooping lower lip. They didn't seem to be together or even know each other. On the next spin, the ball fell into 29. Bounced out, rolled around 13. Finally, settled in double O. Just as it did, Pastyface reached out and put a $100 bill on double O. Greg Hagen, the croupier, looked up and spoke soft but fast. Sorry, mister, you placed your bet after the ball settled. The house can't accept it. I had that $100 down before you started to spin. Pay me off. Sorry, mister, the house says you take back your money. Contuarius. Pay me, brother, before I make brush out of this joint, and you first. Yeah, Yeah, this man placed a bet after the ball dropped. Ah, he's crazy. I had the bet down at plenty of time. So sorry, senor. The croupier is always right. Take your bill from the table. And if you please, get out. He did. Fast. Too fast. As he went, I started to remember his voice. I'd heard it before. It was the voice behind my back when I first hit town. And all of a sudden it made sense, and I knew I'd found out one way the Spaniard was getting rooked. Pasty face on the hulk for a team. When Pastyface picked up the bill, there was a blue chip under it on double O, and the house paid off to the Hulk. All according to Hoyle, except for one thing. The Hulk hadn't placed any bets. It was a good stunt. There had to be more to it than that, so I gave Contuarius a nod and followed Pastyface as he left. I got out of the casino just in time to see him disappear around the corner. I took it easy. Polite and easy. And a bullet nubbed the dust at my feet. I ducked into the shadows and whipped out my guns. A flash had come from a narrow passageway between two buildings. I'm in this alley, Marshal. Come on in and get me. Wait right there, kid. I'm waiting. He was in there somewhere. In that long slab of night that was too black to see through. Somewhere in there. I put my back against the wall and slid out. Strike a match. I want to see your face when it happens to you. Try me. <laughs> no, Marshal. You shoot first. You'll miss. You know that, Marshal. But I won't, because your gun flash will tell me where you are. Real clever. And that was clever what you did back at the White Buffalo. Honest, Injun? Now tell me about it. You and your friend. That was Harold, huh? That giggler with a talent for pistol whipping. Tell me some more about it. You throw down a hundred-dollar bill with a blue chip underneath it after the ball drops. You get yourself thrown out. Harold collects 35 to 1. Did Harold do that? Oh, Harold, did you do that? (laughs) And there he was, framed in the entrance of the alley. I was caught between them, pasty face and the mute called Harold. 
her big guns in Harold's hands turned over and over. His face held all the evil in the world. You're all right, Harold. Take him! <laughs> he was shooting waist high along the wall. And he was getting close. There was only one thing to do. And I couldn't miss. You got Harold, Marshal, but you made a mistake. Your gun flash gave you away. When I opened my eyes, I was in a place I'd never been before. Kind of cottonwood clearing. I'd eased the wound in my shoulder, and from across a smoldering campfire, I saw her. The girl from the white buffalo. A morning sun lighted up the features of a man at her feet. It was Senor Rafael Ramon Jose Contuarius. And the bullet hole in the middle of his forehead gave him an extra flourish. Now it was Senor Rafael Ramon Jose Contuarius deceased. And the pretty senorita was singing a love song. Back to Gunsmoke in just a moment. Combining modern detective methods with secrets of the mysterious East, the Green Llama offers CBS listeners a new thrill now on Sundays. Once he has heard of a crime or an injustice, Jethro Dumont, a wealthy young American just returned from ten years in Tibet, brings into play his quick wit and knowledge of illusion to thwart the evildoers. Join him Sunday as he continues his fight against crime on this side of the Pacific. Wearing green, the color of Tibetan justice, aided by Tulku, his trusted lieutenant. The Green Llama is a feature presentation of most of these same CBS stations. You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. Hi, Carl Amari here. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, Suspense, and Burns and Allen, consider becoming a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows in superior sound quality, along with historical liner notes and photos of their radio stars. The 10 shows I'll send you will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. Members also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour holiday Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. The digital links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities whenever you'd like. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. And when you join the Classic Radio Club, there's no long-term commitment. You can cancel at any time. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now, back to Radio Rarities. Now, back to Mark Dillon, United States Marshal, and Gunsmoke. You have slept long, Chico, without dreams. How do you know there were no dreams? Because I saw death give you a little piece of himself and then ride away on a black pony. Yeah, I'm lucky. Who are you? How'd you get here? They call me Tamar. 
I brought you here. The wagon over there in the burrow. You are muy lucky, Chico. The bullet was for your heart, but it spent itself in your shoulder. It was not your time to die. But it was Contuarius time, huh? Perhaps his grave has been empty too long. And you knew him well? See, si. I knew him. Well enough to kill him. I did not kill him. Senor Contuarius was my protector. What did he protect you from? Himself? I like your mouth better when it is gentle, Chico. And who did kill him? <laughs> How would I know? He was there like that when we arrived. Why'd you bring me here? I like you, Chico. That's why I tell you. If you leave, go back to Dodge City. If you die, die in Dodge City. It is not good here for either one. Why didn't Pasty Face finish the job? Right after you were wounded, I came along. I... I persuaded him you were dead. He persuades easy, huh? He persuades easy. Poor Tamar. The shots were heard. People came. Senor Drew does not like attention. Drew? Oh, his name's Drew. But why here? What'd you bring me here for? I thought Conquarius could help you. After all, he was your friend. How'd you know that? I saw you talking together in the white buffalo. But tonight, out of the darkness, death found Conquarius. Conquarius! Where is he? Where is he? Answer me, woman, or I'll horsewhip you within an inch of your life. There, senora. Hello, Marshal. Enjoying yourself? Get up, Contuarius, get up. He's dead, ma'am. He shouldn't be lying there on the cold ground. I lift him into the cart. I will help you, senora. If you so much as touch him, I'll kill you. Come along. Antuarius. Give me that blanket, Marshal. You won't need it. Sure. Here, ma'am. You're pretty strong to lift him by yourself. I've done it before. You're hurt, Marshal. I'll be all right. You can come, too, if you want to, Marshal. I'll take you back to town. Yes, ma'am. I didn't think she'd make it, but she did. Somewhere on that long wagon ride back to town, she squeezed a tear onto her cheek. Just one tear, but for Mrs. Contuarius, it was a major emotion. The sun was doing its best to char the wood frame buildings when we hit Gouja. All right, Marshal. Get out of the wagon. Why bring me back to Gouja? Just so I could pick my own gutter? That door. A check door right over there. Try it. Get up. Come on, Dylan. All you have to do is lift your arm and knock on the door. Yeah? Well, Marshal. What's the offer this time? 150%? Hey, you're hurt. Come on in. Thanks. Who sent you here? Mrs. Contuarius. Oh. I better cut away that shirt. Why'd she send me here, Greg? Not neat, Marshal. Not neat at all. Why here, Greg? You a duck? Lie still. I'll get some things. You haven't answered my question. I do things with my hands, Marshal. Spin roulette wheels and extract bullets between spins. You a duck? Yeah, I'm a duck. Was. Had a shingle. 
shiny one. And they said I couldn't have it anymore. They had a word for it. Malpractice. They said I did something... What are you looking at? That roulette wheel on the table over there. What's the matter, Greg? Don't you get enough practice at the white buffalo? You want this wound fixed or not? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Say, Greg. Yeah? I, I once heard about a croupier clever enough to spin a wheel and drop a ball into any slot he wanted. Hit it about once out of five times. Not bad. Once in four is better. What about him? I could mention it to Mrs. Contuarius. Round up you and Drew and go back to Dodge City. Drew? Pasty-faced guy. The guy who pulled the fast trick with the chip and the hundred-dollar bill last night. I didn't know him. I refused the bet, didn't I? Yeah, that's what doesn't fit. I'd stop worrying about it if I were you, Marshal. I could keep this wound open and let it bleed. On the other hand, you could take the bullet out. Yeah, I could do that. And I'd owe you something. I wouldn't have to remember you to Mrs. Contuarius. It's like this, Marshal. First, I just wanted to tame the wheel. Then it got out of hand. Tamar have anything to do with it getting out of hand? What do you know about... I'm ready to take the bullet out, Marshal. You're going to keep what you know to yourself? Take the bullet out. I'll bite my lip. Yeah. Do that, Marshal. It's a nice pose. I bit my lip, but all I got was pain in my mouth. I didn't need that. There was enough pain. It was a pain that was painted in red, and it couldn't decide whether it was a flame or an icicle. When I woke up, Greg was talking to someone. It didn't take long to recognize the voice. You should have let him die, Chico. You will only cause trouble. He's got nothing on me. Only trouble I got is you. Every man in town. You couldn't even leave the marshal alone. Calamia, you're crazy. I found the marshal in the cottonwood clearing, like I've told you. He was there when I came. Yeah. Keeping your little rendezvous with Contuarius. I warned you, Tamar. I told you if I ever caught you with Contuarius again, I'd kill him, and I did. I'm sorry I heard you say that, Greg. Don't be sorry. Just leave town. I could have let you die, Marshal. I'm going to take you, Greg. But first, I'm going to give you some advice. Yeah? Get rid of Tamar. One of her stories is bad. Either the one she told you or the one she told me. Don't listen to him, Chico. She told me she brought me to the cottonwood clearing, persuaded Drew that I was dead. If that's true, then it follows that Drew's cutting your time the same as Contuarius was. You can't kill everybody Tamar takes up with. The marshal talking through his wound, Tamar? He's delirious. He's lying, Greg. I found him in the clearing, as I told you. Well, Greg, what do you believe? Me or Tamar? Get out, Marshal. Get out and leave town. Can't, Greg. Not yet. Gotta take you. Also, there's a personal matter to attend to. I could have let you die, Marshal. Remember? Yeah. I'll testify at your trial. Kill him, Greg. Kill him now. Shut up. <gasps> you know, Tamar, you've got too many friends. It's a lie. Everything he says is a lie. Maybe. We'll stay one more night in Gaujai. Just one more night. That's all we'll need. No good, Greg. I'll have to take you. With your shooting arm in a sling? I don't think so. I'll gamble on it, Greg. Want odds? I got up and left Greg's shack. He didn't try to stop me. One thing about Greg, he wasn't afraid of me or anybody else. 
I went back to the white buffalo and waited. About an hour later, Mrs. Contuarius drove up. She was wearing black. She'd just come from her husband's funeral. Lend me your good arm, Marshal. I don't want to rip this dress. Yes, ma'am. There you are. Was it a nice funeral, ma'am? Yes, Marshal. The kids behaved real nice. You've done a good job on them, ma'am. Thanks. Come in and have a drink, Marshal. You look peaked. I followed her into the casino. In an hour, I began to fill up. I hid myself behind the stairs where I had a clear view of the roulette table and waited. About eight, Tamar walked through the door. Tamar in a dress of red. Tamar, buckled with silver. She strolled over to the table and put some chips on the black as Greg spun. There was no sign of recognition between them. Seven black. Seven pays. Black pays. Place your bets. On the next spin, Tamar won again. Then she lost. She doubled her bets and won more times than she lost. After a while, she stopped playing colors and switched to single numbers, 35 to 1. She kept on winning, but one out of four, like Greg said. In an hour, there was roughly $20,000 stacked in front of her. Just before she bet number 13, I saw Greg fold his thumb under his palm and rub the side of his face. 13 black, 13 pays, black pays. Lucky. You're very lucky tonight, Tamar. Tonight, senora? <laughs> but I'm always lucky at your tables, no? Not as lucky as tonight. Sorry, man, this is a private table from now on. You can all move to the second wheel right over there. Private table, senora? Yes. Just you and this gentleman. The man Abigail thumbed at over her shoulder was Mr. Drew in person. I put my good hand on my gun and prepared to finish my unfinished business. And I decided to wait for the piece to play itself out. I didn't know what Mrs. Contuarius had in mind, but this show was too good to spoil. Tamar, Greg, and Drew. I don't know. This is my last spin. That's all right, Tamar. All Mr. Drew wants is just one spin. Right, Mr. Drew? Yeah, just one spin with the little lady. But I... Mr. Drew, huh? Yeah. But I do not feel like betting. We'll spin once more. Bueno. All of my chips on number one. Hmm. Number one, huh? Hey. Yeah, that's a good number. Number one. I'll take 10,000 in gold on number one. Three red. Three pays. Red pays. Why, you double... No! No! Greg didn't have a chance. The knife he tried to draw was hammered back by the bullets that tore through his hand and across his chest. Suddenly his face changed. He looked young and hurt. And ashamed of the blood that he couldn't hold back. It'll make me happy if no one tries to follow us. Let's go, Tamar. He held his guns like they were dogs on a leash that could snap easy. He waited for Tamar to scoop up the money. Then they backed out of the casino. You let him get away, Marshal! I don't think so, ma'am. He knows I'll come and get him. He'll be waiting for me. He'll be wanting to finish me off if he can. And I'm going to give him his chance. 
I figured there was only one place to look, and there they were, resting easy in the cottonwood clearing. <laughs> I knew you'd have to come after me, Marshal. <laughs> You're funnier than an actor. I saw one once in Dodge. <laughs> You're funnier. <laughs> Maybe you laugh too easy, Drew. Like you kill too easy. A marshal with a gun arm and a sling chasing a killer. Go away, marshal. Go away while there's still time. I got nothing but time. I'll wait. You're wrong, marshal. You've got no time at all. Yeah? <laughs> Chico, Chico, this I do not believe. It is impossible that someone could shoot faster than Senor Drew. Now with your left hand. Oh, Chico, you are so very quick with your gun. I like that about a man. Take it easy, Tamar. Come on, let's go. Go? Not now, Marshal. There's time. Sit here. Sit here next to Tamar. Like this? Hmm. See. You know what I think? Chico, Chico, don't talk now. I think he had a great thing with Greg. He could put that ball on any number you bet on. Only that wasn't enough for you. But it doesn't matter now, darling. You thought you could double your profits by throwing in with Drew. Maybe you were going to double-cross him, too. I don't know. Don't worry about it, Chico. The money is yours, too. It belongs to Mrs. Contuarius. That's who's going to get it. What? What are you talking about? Take your choice. Come back with me to the jail in Galjai or... I'll turn you over to Mrs. Contuarius. I don't think she could stand having you alive. You! Come on. This is the first time I've ever held a gun on a woman. Chico, surely, surely you are playing with me. You're an accessory to murder, Tamar. We go away together. You and I, Mexico, New Orleans. Listen to me, Chico. You and I. Let's go, Tamar. Listen, listen to me. There's plenty of money, yours and mine. Listen to me, listen. She put her arms around my neck and her lips close to my ear. And for a long time, for a long, long time, first in English and in Spanish, then in Cherokee, then in a language I couldn't recognize, she whispered at me every foul name in the book. She was talented. She didn't repeat herself once. Tamar didn't understand that a marshal had a job to do and that the job got done. back to Dodge, I came across a cottonwood clearing I'd never noticed before. I rode down into it. A small animal scurried off a log and lost itself in the shadows. And I was alone. And for a time after that, for a long time after that, I thought about Tamar. He'd given her her guitar, but I knew she wouldn't be singing much longer. The rest of the way home, the country was dust. Got inside of my mouth, and it stayed there. This was certainly a different gun smoke than we're used to hearing with Matt, Chester, Doc, and the rest of the gang. Though this script by Fine and Friedkin had a good plot, and the themes were of an adult nature, 
Would it have been successful for one character, Marshall Dillon, to hold the program by himself from week to week? Well, evidently, as CBS was willing to give the project another shot. This recording was pitched to sponsors and ad agencies, but failed to sell. So a few weeks later, a second audition was recorded in mid-July using the same script with a few minor tweaks. This second audition was performed with a different cast, including Howard Culver as Marshal Mark Dillon. And was directed by Richard Sanville. The first audition had been directed by Ralph Rose. It is not surprising that CBS, in seeking a higher quality audition, would enlist new production staff for the second attempt. Even with the new production cast and staff, the result was the same with the second audition. It didn't sell, and the project was shelved by CBS management. If it had sold, however, Howard Culver may not have retained the lead as Marshall Dillon. Right, Lisa, as Culver was currently starring in Straight Arrow over on Mutual, in either that network or CBS may have balked at having him star in both programs. Meanwhile, another team at CBS was also preparing a Western series. Norman McDonald and John Meston had been working on converging two scripts that had been previously broadcast on different CBS shows. One was Wild Jack Rett on Escape. And the other, Pagosa on Romance. Despite frequent prodding of the CBS brass, McDonough was not successful in convincing the network to look seriously at his proposal. It was not until April of 1952 when the program Operation Underground was canceled abruptly by CBS executives that McDonald was given the opportunity at very short notice, about a week, to prepare his version of Gunsmoke. He changed the first name of the marshal from Mark to Matt as Mark sounded too modern. And they cast William Conrad in the lead role. It is ironic that McDonald finally got this chance with Gunsmoke as it was his program, the highly successful The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, that precipitated the entire idea in the first place. And we know what happened with Gunsmoke during the following decade. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Costella is our executive producer. And the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, we present the audition of the Martin and Lewis show starring Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis with special guest Lucille Ball. So don't miss it. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.